Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusuf. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by ScriptRunner. ScriptRunner is a great solution to centrally manage PowerShell scripts and standardize and automate IT tasks via a graphical user interface for help desk or end users. Check that out on scriptrunner.com. I'm Tobias, and I'm back again with Yussi. What's up? Hey, Tobias. I started planning for a few long-term goals lately. So this has been on my mind for a couple of weeks now. And, and since I'm sort of nearing the end of the house building project in the next three months or so, it should be complete. I figured, okay, let's, let's take a look in the horizon for 2025, 26. What would I like to do? Would, would I need like a major project in the future besides everything else? And I figured it would be nice to see the seven wonders of the world. So the Great Wall of China, the city of Petra, Christ the Redeemer, Colosseum, Taj Mahal, and so on. So some of these I've already seen, not on intention, but I happened to be in the vicinity. And I said, yeah, let's go and see Colosseum. That would be fun. But I, I figured it, it would be fun to take the whole family and, and sort of do a round trip around the world to see just these seven things, perhaps in two, three weeks total. So, so I'm planning for this, setting the schedules, figuring out the budgets, saving for that, of course, and, and sort of trying to commit when to go. But as, as we've seen in the past couple of years, it could be that you decide, yeah, let's go in 25, then something happens and you postpone your plans. But that's, that's sort of the, uh, what I've been up to lately. Have you seen any or all of the seven wonders of the world yet yourself? I have seen some of the pyramids i'm not sure if all of them are part of the wonders like or not um i did see some of the the stuff in in egypt there's something called at least in swedish it's called which like literally translated would be like the the king's valleys or something like this um which is also pretty cool. My parents went there and they gave me the tip that if you're ever going back to uh, to Egypt, you need to go there. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't think that's part of the wonders. Um, one thing that I do know was voted into one of the like seven wonders of the world in 2007, I think. And I know this because I, I did some quite heavy research on, on going here. And this is the Machu Picchu uh, place. So yep. that's like an Inca Citadel, located in, in eastern um, Cordillera, I think it's called, in Peru. Uh, and it's 2,430 meters uh, up on a mountain. So that's pretty cool, which is 7,900 uh, feet. Uh, so it's located in the like Machu Picchu, Picchu district. Um, I would be super thrilled to go there. Um, I'm, you know, I, I really love history. I love perhaps a bit the mythical things around history where uh, like the, the Mayan Indians, they did things in a slightly different way than a lot of other places. And how did they build these things? And how did they construct these things so many thousand years ago? And, you know, there was, um, there's a lot of questions in my mind for 
um, for how this happened. And it would be really cool to just go there and see it. I've seen documentaries. I've seen all kinds of things on TV for, uh, you know, a lot of the different wonders in the world. But I think this is the number one on my list. I would definitely want to go to Machu Picchu. Um, you know, if nothing else, just for the climate and uh, some nice getaway, some analog vacation that I really enjoy, but also like figuring out the mysteries and, and just being there to, you know, really soak in the, the majestic buildings that they built. And I think this was in the 17th century or so. Uh, so not too long ago, but still long enough to not have any like uh, bulldozer equipment or cranes lifting your stuff in there. So in the middle of the woods, how do they build these things? Pretty cool. Sounds, sounds good for sure. I, I think Machu Picchu would be one of the seven wonders of the world. I'm a bit confused because there's the seven natural wonders of the world. Then there's the seven wonders of the world. And I, I, I think the latter is the one that I want to see first. And that should have the, the site in Peru as well. So, so besides this, what have you been up to lately? So on my side, uh, I just said that I, I would enjoy some analog time. But what I just did today is I took a new EV car or an electrical vehicle for a test drive. And wow, we truly live in the future. I mean, a lot of people tuning in, they might have a car, might not have a car. If you do have a car, you might already have an electrical car. I do not. So I, uh, if you listen to this show regularly, you know, I like analog. I don't like to buy new gadgets or things. Um, but a car I think is needed now because we've grown the family. We now have two kids. Uh, yeah, we realized we need a new vehicle and it is 2022. So I think it's fair to evaluate if we should actually get an electrical vehicle that we can then charge using sun power, you know, thinking of the climate, no gasoline, no diesel, none of that stuff, just a pure EV car. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at that and I took like a, a family SUV type of EV car for a spin and quite different than running my gasoline car, but it was such a pleasant ride, you know, in total silence. The only thing I could hear was the rain on the windshield and and the tires uh, as they kind of hit the surface when 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 I cruised the road. So I, I took it out on the highway. I, I drove in town and, and yeah, took it for different routes just to see, just to hear the sound really. And that was quite the experience as well. So as you can hear, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not used to sitting in an electrical vehicle. Most people might be uh, used to that by this point, but I'm, I'm still in my gasoline powered SUV at the moment. But I know my family would appreciate this one because we need a little bit more space and we also... Yeah, need to fit the entire family with the strollers and the kids and everything in. Um, so that might be something that I pull the trigger on soon. And soon for me, in terms of this, might be in the coming two or three years. <laughs> uh, but I, re I really like the idea now. We moved to the new house recently. We have our own driveway where we can put one of those charges up and, and we can just plug the car in and we can fill a battery up with solar power so we can actually, hopefully, without plugging it actually into the wall outlet, uh, charge much of the power that we need because we don't really go on long trips these days. So hopefully it will be a self, 
sufficient sufficient kind of ecosystem of driving that car powered by the sun. Uh, you could even get the car with solar panels on the roof. So whenever the sun is out, it will just slowly charge a little bit of the battery, which is kind of nice as well. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Checking the super digital new cars, uh, super cool, also super expensive. So uh, you have to take that into consideration. But given it's 2022, we're moving into the future quickly, uh, might be a, a worthy investment. I, I trust that once we get to episode 225, about two years from now, that then you can announce that you have your new car now and you're still super <laughs> uh, happy with the car. We'll still be anxious pulling the trigger <laughs> like, oh, should I get this one? Should I not get this? Oh, it's expensive. Oh, I, well, I can walk. I can take the bike. <laughs> exactly. So today, uh, this is episode 119, using Azure IoT Central to control your coffee maker. So we decided to try something slightly different for this episode. So instead of perhaps of, of talking about a specific service in Azure or a recent release, like, yeah, this was released yesterday and, and we took it for a spin, uh, we thought it would be interesting to talk about a use case for Azure. And what's with the coffee maker, you might think? Uh, the idea sprung up from uh, one of the Microsoft Learn Labs. So I don't really do the labs that often, but I needed to prepare for um, an Azure AI workshop. And I figured it would be nice to have an IoT angle for that. And instead of creating that lab myself, I, I went to Microsoft Learn, learn.microsoft.com, and I started searching from there. And this was a fairly recent one. And the idea with this, in a nutshell, is that you spin up the IoT central instance, you configure your device, and in this instance, it's a virtual device, it could be a physical one as well. And then you mimic that virtual device with a custom API, which would be the virtual coffee maker. And then you see how it all plays together. And it takes about 30 minutes to complete the lab, and you don't even need an Azure subscription because there's the sandbox capability. You click on the sandbox, it sort of spins up a dynamic subscription for you. And once you close the browser, then it kills that off. But before we actually dive into the, the whole setup and, and how it works and, and what's crucial here, Toby, what's, what's your state of IoT today? Are you still running IoT thingies at home? I mean, I have a smart home in a sense. I'm, I'm using connected lights. I'm using you know, all kinds of smart things. And we're currently renovating. So I realized when the contractors pulled the plug on my Wi-Fi, we couldn't turn on the lights. So we went to bed and in the morning, we could not turn on the lights because everything is Wi-Fi powered. <laughs> that was a, a bit of a strange realization. Like, okay, how do we actually turn on the lights when we don't have Wi-Fi? Well, we don't. Um, so we do have like smart capabilities, but we didn't build those ourselves, obviously. I do have something that I did build myself as well, uh, which is my greenhouse. I did a miniature greenhouse um, that is fully automated. It waters itself. It measures the moisture in the soil. It measures the temperature inside of the greenhouse. There is, um, a, a, how do you call it, pneumatic uh, engine to open a hatch or a latch. Uh, on the greenhouse if it's too hot and then a fan starts on the outside blowing cooler outside temperature air in 
Uh, and if it's too cold, it closes the hatch and stops the fan. So there's all kinds of automation going on there. And I did that as a miniature a couple of years back. Um, and I, I built it in C Sharp. And I had, at the time, uh, Raspberry Pi 2B+, plus, whatever they were called. Uh, and that works surprisingly well. It still works. Uh, now we moved to the new house. And I've got a real greenhouse in the garden, uh, which is kind of the whole idea why I did the miniature. So I am, at the moment, redesigning that into a bigger IoT deployment, which will sit in my house, still being very reliant on Wi-Fi. So I hope the contractors doesn't kill that again to do the same thing, but with bigger engines and opening the hatch and, and starting a fan and automatically watering from a, a, a big can of uh, water and things like that. And I took it for a spin. It works, but it's not connected at this point. Right now, it's just taking immediate signals and then just like if A, B, C happens, then do this. What I want to do is I want to connect it again, like I used to do in the past, where I can uh, kind of get all the data in, the moisture, the, the temperature, how many times the, the hatch opened, how many times I started the fan, how much water I used, um, you know, how many times per day I, I actually started the water pump and kind of get all the data in so I can make measures and, and, and timelines and things around it so I understand how it works. And I'm guessing that a IoT Central could be uh, uh, something to use for that. Um, so, so that's kind of how I'm exposed to IoT. We don't really use it in our line of work because we offer SaaS product, which is essentially just software to our customers. We don't do hardware at all. So I'm only exposed to IoT in my personal hobbies and my personal life. Uh, but I'm, I'm intrigued by what you said here that you can start a lab for learning, for example, the Azure IoT Central, and you don't need to have anything except for your computer and, and internet, of course. You don't need an Azure subscription. You don't need to have any IoT hardware. You can just start the lab and do everything inside of the sandbox. And this is truly us living in the future in a sense that when I started doing all of my experiments, I had to get the devices. I had to connect them. I had to uh, build my own C-sharp uh, applications that I deployed to Raspberry Pi, Pi running uh, on Linux executing commands that connected to my Azure and then did, you know, all, all kinds of things. And while that worked, it was a lot of work to, to get that working. So I like this way, which is kind of the opposite. Start with the idea of what you want to achieve uh, with IoT Central and do the labs this way and start with the sandbox and learn everything about it. Then you can think about the hardware and how you want to make everything like hardware connected. So I, I like that and I like this capability. I, I really like this approach nowadays because the labs, it seems the labs on, on Microsoft Learn are, are kept up to date. So, so whenever you open the lab and you start working through the guidance and, and copy pasting some codes or, or scripts, you know that this is going to work. And that's often, often with printed labs, that's a problem. You start working on something, oh, the repo is not there or this NPM package version is different, it doesn't work anymore. Uh, on, on IoT, uh, when you were mentioning the, the greenhouse IoT solution that you had, I started thinking that the first IoT approach, which was not at the time, it wasn't called IoT yet, that was in 2001, we needed an automated solution to take a still picture of the coffee maker at the office every, I think, every five minutes. And then we would analyze how much coffee was left so should I walk to the coffee maker or not? 
and and strictly speaking no it's not really an iot solution because there's no sensors there's nothing but i figured well the coffee maker itself is a device so nowadays uh you can even even buy an industrial coffee maker for the office and they actually sell you a, a usb or a bluetooth module so that you can get the monitoring and data out of that because it's it's so uh relatively cheap to to build this kind of capabilities so so for this lab and and we'll put the link to the lab in the show notes i i do highly recommend anyone listening on this to spend 30 minutes going to the lab because it's a fun lab you actually build fun stuff here so so the lab is based on iot central in azure and i was not exposed to iot central previously i've been using azure iot hub for whatever projects or, or hacks I've done with IoT. And, and the, the difference how I see it is that IoT Hub is the raw platform, the platform as a service, where you configure everything. You configure, I have this sort of a device, and whenever I get a message, I will relay that to an Azure function, and the Azure function is expecting this payload, and I'm doing this and that. So it's, it's really close to being a developer and, and sort of designing the solution on, on the fly, if you will. But Azure IoT Central, it's a more industry-focused solution. So there's a nice and fancy management portal. It's not using Azure portal. There's a separate portal for this. And when you go in there, it's holding your hand. It's telling you, okay, first we add the device. Then we create the management interface for that. Then we do the reporting views. Then we do the commands for that. Then we test everything out. So it sort of is like a mix of Azure portal and I would say maybe a power app in the sense that it's, it's, it's more limited than IoT Hub is. Uh, Toby, I trust that with this explanation, right when we're done recording this, you will open the lab and complete that as well. Probably, probably going to do that because uh, I already have some use cases in mind. Obviously, my garden that I spoke about, I have several places in my garden that I, I want to kind of monitor for, you know, the moisture in the soil and, you know, is the grass dry? And I also want to monitor the height of the grass. So I already uh, created a waterproof kind of camera that sits uh, near the stone ridge just next to the grass. And when the, the grass reaches a certain height, it essentially blocks the camera. And if the camera is blocked, it can send a signal to my lawnmower so it can start. Because my mower is a one of those robots, but it's not smart enough to go out and analyze, oh, the, the grass is this or that long, but I only want to cut it if it's a certain height because I'm, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to garden and, and my grass. I don't want like a smart mower going out there and doing stuff on its own. I need it exactly when it's this many millimeters. I need to cut it at exactly that amount of centimeters. You know, if it takes three days or five days to reach it, doesn't matter when it reaches the right height. I need to cut it. So I have ideas for how to do that. And now, yeah, obviously, maybe if I do that lab to just learn about Azure IoT Central, I can then, you know, use Azure IoT Central to perhaps design my own scenarios. And when I'm ready, I can then start bringing in my actual devices to support that. Exactly. This is, this is the way to go. Being perfectionist, especially when it comes to gardening. I'm, I'm the total opposite, <laughs> but I, I'm doing notes here. Uh, 
so so when you get started with the lab uh, you go to azureiotcentral.com so it's a separate entity but you do log in with whatever uh, credentials you have in azure ad perhaps and and the lab starts with defining your device so this is the virtual coffee maker so you don't do code here what you do is you define what sort of stuff do you want to extract from the device and what sort of device capabilities do you have so device capabilities for for this instance would be temperature of of the coffee makers water the humidity the state is it brewing is it not is there a warranty left is there a cup detected how many cups have we done today stuff like this and 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 then we also define the telemetry the possible commands we'd like to send back and forth with the device so one command would be let's put this in maintenance mode and then we could do something and then put it away from maintenance mode so everything can be done remotely on the device of course assuming the device supports that but we are playing with a virtual coffee maker that supports whatever we like so so this is sort of the key here and, and the lab spends most of the time defining the telemetry the properties of the device and the commands and and based on this you create a view and the view is like a power bi report i, I think technically it's using power bi in the, in the back end and you publish this and everybody in your team can now see the status of your device is it brewing coffee what's the temperature is it in in maintenance mode how many months do we have warranty left all of this is now sort of graphically explained to you based on 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 the data you you submitted previously but now we get to the key on on how about the device how do we mimic a virtual coffee maker and it's it's quite ingenious in the lab it's a node.js application so you clone a repo from github and it has sort of the node.js solution and it's it's fairly simple so it, it utilizes the azure iot sdk and you put in where's my iot central what's the what's the id for that how do we authenticate typically with a symmetric uh, authentication token and that's it and now the node.js is exposing a rest api so you can call the rest api on the node.js and say what's what's the humidity and it gives you random values so in, in that sense it's super simple but it it showcases and and, and allows you to build this a fairly industry specific solution that you can still understand and everything is familiar because often I'm, I'm seeing these sort of labs and they say yeah let's let's do a paper mill and I'm like I have no idea what happens in a paper mill you have pulp and then comes out paper but something happens with celluloid or something in between so this is more about coffee and cups and brewing and state and all that yeah, and I like this idea. It's it's kind of when when you go and write a blog post, or when you take a complex technical topic and you break it down for a you know making it more understandable. It's the same thing that that happens in these labs, right? Anything that is relatable, like comedy. When it's a comedy and it's relatable, it's a lot easier um, to you know to grasp. And the same same thing happens here. A lot of people can relate to the coffee machine. You know, and understand that, okay, I understand I need a new cup. I understand that like you will understand the requirements to complete this. Whereas, like you mentioned, a paper mill or take 
you know, something more complex, yet super difficult perhaps for someone who doesn't work with that to understand what's why I'm doing it. Uh, so I, I like the simplification here. Now, my immediate question is, you said a Node.js application, and I'm, I'm like a, uh, not Node.js, but Node.js. I don't do JavaScript uh, <laughs> a lot. So I, I've been doing C-sharp for now 20 years, 20 years. 2001, I started, so 21 years this year, which is a bit ridiculous when you think about it, So because even I am getting old. So my obvious question here is, kind of what languages and, and tools are supported for this? Because I would love to do this in C-sharp. I already have my old logic for my Raspberry Pi running, or I call my APIs in Azure and all this stuff. So, you know, can I reuse some of that stuff? Can I deploy C-sharp stuff to this? Or is it purely Node.js? Or is it only this lab that is designed in Node.js, but I can then select something else if I do it myself? So for this lab, definitely the code is in Node.js, and I'm I'm just looking at the code. It's it's fairly lengthy because it's mimicking all of the different properties and the commands and the telemetry. So so you have these 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 uh, fairly simple methods that give you random values just to say okay the cup is detected or not. But but the logic of this is is 15 lines. So you can use Node.js, you can use PHP. I know you like that one as well. You can use Python. You can definitely use Java and .NET. So perhaps you'd ideally use .NET Core, utilize C Sharp. You simply pick up the Azure IoT device SDK. So there's a device SDK that has the built-in libraries to connect with the IoT Central and or IoT Hub. And then you can pass on the authentication uh, scheme, if you will, because you can either use a symmetric key or you can use an X509 certificate. And typically in, a, in, a, in an industry use, you'd ideally would like to use a certificate. But for this, this lab and for simple setups, you use uh, a shared secret style of token and, and that's it. Uh, the first one I built uh, some years ago, I, I had to use Python because I was using a Raspberry Pi and, and the SDK was not available for C Sharp at the time. And this was before .NET Core was so stable as it is today. So, so for your use case, definitely use Raspberry Pi, uh, get the, uh, the IoT device SDK, and that's it. The only thing you have to add is, is the, uh, is the uh, re uh, re registration ID for your device, so that you have a unique ID for the device and the authentication key, that's it. And beyond that, it's up to you to decide if you want your device to take a lead in, in everything it does, or do you want to ping from the IoT Central back to the device? So is it cloud to device or device to cloud, or both on, on how the messages and tasks sort of flow between the two things? Yeah, I, I like this idea. I'm definitely gonna take this for a spin, perhaps, I will do this lab first to, to understand how to do the basic things. And then maybe I'll just spin up my own Azure IoT Central uh, and, and start, see if I can connect my garden because I already have my sensors. I have my Raspberry Pis and they are connected. Just need to turn them back on. So I, I think this is actually pretty interesting. And, and I have a tangible scenario where I can try this out with real world and you know, applicable devices. 
of course, it's not like production grade industry stuff. And it's IoT in my garden. So if it fails, that's okay. But it's going to be an interesting exercise, definitely. So maybe if I do that now and I deploy it and let it run over summer, uh, we should have enough data so we can revisit perhaps in the in the autumn and take a look at you know what kind of data we got, if there's anything that came back from from the data that is is insightful. So maybe we'll revisit that in in half a year from now when when most of the the season um, summer has passed and we have all the fun data. Sounds sounds good. One of the very first episodes we did was on Azure Farm Beats. That was a new thing at the time. It sort of a, is a prepackaged IoT solution for Microsoft with with hardware sensors and whatnot. So so this is like a like a simplified version of that. And I really like that everything is virtual. Everything runs in the browser. You don't really have to set up a lot of things. You create a new project in IoT Central. You define the devices that you have, and that's it. You don't need anything else for pricing. And and I, I I like to have a look at the pricing on all services I use in Azure to sort of understand is this something like API management that quickly goes up to a fairly high uh, number figure in terms, or is this something like Azure Functions that I don't really have to worry about the cost? And for IoT Central, and obviously the virtual device is not costing you anything, but for IoT Central you have something called the uh, the standard zero tier, and this is free for two devices, and and it supports up to four hundred messages are included for free, and then if you want additional messages sent over a period of month, it's going to cost you seventy dollars per one million messages, and additional devices beyond the two devices is eight cents per device per month. So let's say you have 10 devices, that's that's 80 cents plus $70, because you probably need more than 400 messages to be sent between those 10 devices. So I'd, I'd say this is super affordable. And then there's standard one and two additional packages uh, that are cheaper if, if you expect more devices, like thousands of devices in the long run. So I like the pricing here. And like with everything that we know in the cloud, you know, the price goes up with the consumption that you use. And uh, yeah, I can I can see for some of the industries I know use IoT. Um, for example, there's a, a company that, um, you know, not in my area, but they measured the effectiveness of traffic lights. And, and to do that, they had to record the traffic lights. They had to record traffic. They had to do, you know, all kinds of things. So in every location, maybe they had 200 devices and each device sent a plethora of signals. Like every time something happened, every time someone walked by, every time a car came in, how long did the car stand there? How much, how much did they estimate that a gas car stood still in the intersection causing, uh, you know, just burning gas, uh, which is obviously not so good for the environment and like all these data points. And I can imagine while not knowing, I can imagine that with all these hundreds of devices per deployed location that they did these measurements, there's going to be hundreds of millions of data points and messages being sent. So, of course, depending on what you do, this will cost you. I can already see now that me doing this in my garden, it's going to be almost priceless in the way that it's not going to be a price on it. Um, but if you do this at scale, just like with everything, the, the price goes up with consumption. 
not like the model. It's it's super easy to understand. Definitely, and with the included 400 messages for two devices, you can easily send 10 to 20 messages per day without this whole solution costing you anything. So, so the approach is interesting because you still have IoT Hub, which I still feel is super useful if you really know what you're building and you need to build everything from scratch. But with something like this, I, I have a device, I just want to get the stats, stats from the device, then the IoT Central would, would be something I'd rather start using. Alrighty, this was fun uh, on, on, on building a solution for a virtual coffee maker. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I have time this year, perhaps in the summer, to build something like this for a real coffee maker. Let's see how, how that goes. So the last thing we have is the unexpected question. And this week, Toby, it's your turn to ask me. Okay, so I, I've got one here that I thought about the other day. I Don't ask me why. So if your five-year-old self suddenly found themselves inhabiting your current body, what would your five-year-old self do first? That's an interesting question. And some of the earliest memories I have is I was maybe four and, and I was, I was, I was uh, walking or, or, or biking outside with my parents and we were going to the store or something. And I had this excitement that we go to the store, I can actually choose, you know, candy or a lollipop and, and something happens and I just get it. And, and I can enjoy the taste of that. So somebody or, or myself going back to being a five-year-old in, in my current body, I would obviously be in my home office, not really understanding anything. What's what's happening on any of my displays? Why do I here. have so much Lego? Yeah, why do I have so much Lego, and what's all this text on the screens? And and why is that that light blinking on that gadget? Uh, but I would I would walk to the kitchen. We have this one cabinet in the kitchen. I think everybody has one, where you have all the uh, all the all the plastic boxes and the lids for those. But then on the second shelf, you have the cookies and the chocolate and the fun stuff. So I would, I would probably go there, enjoy those a little bit. Because as an adult, it's super easy to refrain from just consuming everything. You can just say, yeah, not today. Let's do this on Saturday. But as a five-year-old, yeah, I would do that. Open Netflix, lay on the sofa, and, and just enjoy life. And business as usual. Yeah, business as usual, like my like my normal Saturday evening. Yeah, right. Alrighty, this was fun. Thank you for joining us again. We hope you take the the virtual coffee maker thing for a spin. So make sure to check the show notes for the link, and we hope you'll join us next week as well. All right. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm.